And now, I, Bryson NFL, am blessed with the, sus- the man who suspended more times than anyone in the history of any- anyone. The kid in your class that was suspended 100 times, he wasn't suspended nearly as many times as LB is because Twitter support is just absolute cowards. What's going on, LB? Um, welcome back. Glad to be here. Glad that you can't stop me from this. Yeah, man, it's. I, I really think that I did something to Jack that just really pissed him off. This guy hates me. I don't even know what I do. You and I, we've talked about this forever, like where people will say like this horrible, like terrible shit to us, or like they'll say like the meanest stuff ever and just like totally just rip you apart. And like I'll just respond with something silly that's not even bad, and yet I still keep getting suspended. It's like you said, it's just absolute cowards. We do not love it. Jack deserves to be thrown in prison. I'm on two accounts today. The other one's currently locked because of some phone number issue, but I should be able to get it back. I mean, who knows? But let me tell you, it's been quite quite the new year already. I'm already on my th- – so this is the third account I've used already this new year. So it's a, we're off to a good start. 2020 is already going to be eventful. Of course, the Patriots have a – I think the Patriots play this weekend. I don't know, man. It's wild card weekend. The Patriots are playing. It's just – it seems like everything is kind of upside down at the moment. It's literally the opposite of everything we have we've ever known, and maybe it is actually a good thing. So the thing I want to start to talk about with you, LB, because you're not really an old head, but you're also not a a young buck as well, because you've seen both decades of Tom Brady's career, which I don't really remember a whole lot, a whole lot of certainly a lot of detail. I don't remember about the certainly the early portions of the Patriots' first run. But your main man, Richard Seymour, you've talked about a lot of times how good of a player he was and how Belichick traded him. He's now a finalist for the Hall of Fame among guys like Steve Young, not Steve Young, but Vince Young, who if it's if it's Seymour or Vince Young, should it not be Seymour? I don't know. Gee, that's a t- <laughs> That's that's a tough call. I I actually love this man. I really 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 hope that Seymour gets in. Phenomenal player, a bunch of All Pros, a bunch of Pro Bowls. His stats would never jump out at you the way that you know a lot of these other guys from his time period did. People think defensive end, and they think you know a bunch of sacks. But um, I think that for some of the guys that are a little bit more familiar with the newer newer dynasty Patriots, you probably you know you've seen a lot of Trey Flowers. He was to me he was more. He was basically Trey Flowers on a whole ton of, you know, roids, just the works. Even though, truthfully, Trey Flowers is, is probably in better shape than Seymour was. You know, they, they weren't – it's not an exact clone by any means. Richard Seymour was a better player, could just set the edge unbelievably. There's just – you weren't getting the edge on Richard Seymour. He did everything he could for the team. He put the team first. He always sacrificed – sacks he sacrificed stats he did whatever the team asked of him and he was absolutely phenomenal incredible player number 93 richard seymour i remember when they drafted him from georgia um and there was just this immediate thing about this guy you could just tell he's gonna be special he comes in in 2001 they immediately win a super bowl his rookie year um then you know he winds up winning three here and 
does all these great things. He winds up getting traded to the Raiders there. Um, you know, that, that trade has always been kind of debated. But, you know, and I've heard people be mad at the Patriots about the Seymour trade, but Richard Seymour himself used to always say, you know, it's a business. And so when it, when it went down, it was truly a business decision. They kind of knew that they couldn't afford to pay him anymore. But I love it, man, because, you know, it, seeing guys like Ty Law get in, to see a guy like Richard Seymour get in would really be phenomenal. Um, and I think that it really is. So many guys from that early dynasty, they used to always say about the Patriots, in that, especially in that early dynasty, no stars, especially 2001. They always said there's no, this team is no stars. They're just a team. They're just a team. But some of these guys were really, really good. Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy for a few years here in that early dynasty in the mid-90s to late-90s. Lawyer was awesome, but um, you know he was obviously gone after 2002. But some of these guys from that from that first the dynasty that were just so good, seeing them get their get their due is honestly awesome to see because there were so many great players. And real quickly, um, you just mentioned Brady in that first dynasty. I just want to say he was so underrated, so good. Even in 2001, he was immediately the difference in being a Super Bowl winning team and being a losing team with Drew Bledsoe. So I don't like when people try to use his stats against him like he wasn't. You know, his stats for those years were always top 10, top 5, whatever, and he was so good, man, and he just continued to get better and better and better. That first dynasty was phenomenal. This second dynasty might actually be better. It might be more talented, but I love seeing a lot of these guys get in. I love that you actually brought it up too, Bryson, because, you know, what would the Hall of Fame be without Vince Young? (laughs) I know, right? So Richard Seymour, three times first-team All-Pro, two times second-team All-Pro, Three-time champ, as you mentioned, played for the most successful dynasty in the history of the NFL. Weep about it. The first portion, the most important portion, probably. 57 and a half sacks, couple interceptions, almost 500 tackles. Certainly, certainly. Belichick wrote a letter himself. I don't know if you know this. Belichick, the first time around, he wrote a letter to the Hall of Fame about Richard Seymour should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, too, over a guy like Vince Young, who was never the best player at his position or even close. And Richard Seymour, certainly, LB, you'd know better than I. First team All-Pro three times. That means he was top two, top one at his position. He played four, three, the end. He played three, four. I mean, he deserves it. I love all pros, man. Second team all pro is always a really cool one, too. All pros are awesome. Pro Bowls are just kind of, you know, it's a neat thing. It's nice to always see a guy from your team make a Pro Bowl, whether it's as an alternate, whatever, you know. But it's it doesn't carry the same weight as, like, a first team all pro or even a second team all pro carries. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think Seymour deserves it. Belichick wrote the letter. Just go ahead and do it. And this kind of leads us into an, a great argument we had on Twitter, LB. You got you actually, with your, your tiny account that you now have that you're going to grow in like a month to 7,000 followers, you tweeted about this to me too. The two Patriots that you would want from the prom at any point, just Patriots, to go on this team, I've really thought a lot about this. Offensively, for me, we're probably going to agree that it's probably Gronk just because of the style of the offense plays now. They kind of they really really need a tight end and prom Gronk in this offense with Tom Brady trusting him would be absolutely amazing. But then you got the defense, and the defense is really good. But you could go a lot of ways. You could say, well, how about Ty Law? You just put him opposite Gilmore. They can't really pass. That would be 
I, I would literally, I don't know what I would do to get that tandem on my team, but I would do a whole lot of things. You could say Vince Wilfork, you know, the Patriots don't really stop the run at times very well. Or you could also bring in a guy like Seymour, a guy that I thought about Seymour. A lot of people said Brewski. What do you think, LB? That's a good one. It's such a good one, truthfully. Um, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say Hog Hannah. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously. Oh, my God. We're talking, well, okay, we got... <laughs> can we talk about this real quick? Old heads are like, <laughs> Hannah. I'm like, dude, where's Hannah playing on the – where is he playing online? That's... I mean, you could, move, you could move Tooney to center. You could move one of them to center, and then you have the best guard of all time probably, one of the best guards of all time. But how much better does that really make you compared to Prime Gronk on a top 10 offensive line? I don't know. I'd rather have I, I don't know. I'd just rather have Gronk than John Hanna. No, you see, I agree. And I and my dad raved about Hog Hanna. I've I've <laughs> been fortunate to watch some hog some of the highlights. Greatest lineman ever by a lot of accounts. He made basically everybody around him on the line better. But like you just said, truthfully, um between Tooney and Mason, I mean, yeah, Mason hasn't had it, but I mean like you just it's just no offense. Love the guy. I said it, you know. I, I mean you could make an argument. David Andrews. I started thinking really hard about these to try to come up with some different answers. We're all going to say Gronk, right? I figure Gronk's the first one that comes to mind because you just think, oh man, you know, the most dominant tight end ever. Put Sign me up. And, you know, he, Brady can make all those underneath throws to him too because his hands are incredible. You know, he's smart. He's so big that you can put the ball anywhere you want. I was trying to think of different guys because I think Gronk's like the easy answer. So I started thinking, okay, think outside the box. I would love to have maybe a prime Dion Branch. When Brady, Brady and Branch were a little bit, you know, younger, and some of the things Dion Branch did his first go around, even his second go around here, he, he had a couple, some nice, some nice plays here. So I started thinking Dion Branch, um, thinking outside the box a little bit. What about, you know, we were thinking David Andrews was the guy that popped in my head just because right now we're talking strictly right now, and it might help you win a Super Bowl. That name popped in my popped in my head just because you think, you know, could he solidify the the line so well? Just so that way it's like. No problem. Let's have David Andrews back. That was probably more of just like a, you know, me missing David Andrews kind of thing. So let's be honest. He's not even close to, you know, a Gronk or anything like that. But defensively, I think you made some great points. But I, I immediately, first thing I thought, Vince Will Fork, um, Teddy Bruschi, love Teddy Bruschi. But I just don't, you know, you already have good linebackers and stuff. Granted, Hightower seems to have slowed down a little bit. I think you would agree. But I would like to have Will Fork, man, because especially we're talking this weekend, you're going <laughs> to you have a running back coming in who's who's in his last six games is averaging one hundred forty nine yards a game over six yards per carry. I would really like to have a giant nose tackle out there trying to take down the six, three, 250 pound running back that runs a four five. So for me, it was Will Fork on defense and probably I think you'd agree. Take Shelton out. No, no disrespect. Shelton's done great things. Guy probably has to stay on the field, right? Probably take Will Fork over Shelton. I think you're absolutely right. And Will Fork, a lot of people, a lot of especially the new Patriots fans, a lot of not new necessarily, but younger ones probably don't appreciate how just good Will Fork was. He's equal. He was equally as freaky as a defensive tackle as Derrick Henry is a running back. Like Vince, Vince was actually pretty twitchy. He was strong as shit. He was strong as shit and just kind of fast for a defensive tackle. He was a freak. Look at look at some of the plays he made. My favorite year, and I truly felt the defense was just terrible in 2011. All right, that defense sucked. Vince Wilfork was a friggin' animal. He carried that defense to any 
any positivity they had. He had interceptions that year. He had all these fumble recoveries. I remember my family, we all felt that he deserved Defensive Player of the Year. And it wasn't a joke. But, you know, a defensive tackle, it's not a sexy position. But I, do, do you remember the, the interception against um, Philip Rivers? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. come on. That, that 2011 Vince Wilfork was just incredible. And he made that defense, like, fun to watch, even though it was terrible. The defense blew. But, I mean, big Vince, man. You know, he wins a bunch of rings here. I would love to have Vince. on. A- and you know what you said? You Like you said about him being so strong. People, I feel like people might have th- thought about Vince as just like a fat guy. Yeah, he had a belly. But if- look at his shoulders, man. Massive shoulders. Muscular guy. He had a muscular chest. He had muscular biceps and triceps. He wasn't just a fat guy. You know what I mean? He was a muscular, strong guy. I think he was benching, I think, 600 pounds. Doesn't he hold the record oh, for like the most... God. Oh my gosh, I, LB. I, I don't know what the bench record is, and I, I would guess that if anyone holds the record, it's probably Vince Wilfork. And I think there's rumors actually that he's actually beaten Tom Brady in a forty before. So this would not shock. <laughs> this would not shock me at all. I would not be surprised by that. I would not be surprised, and I could totally see Brady challenging him too. Because it's funny that everybody says Brady challenges everybody to these foot races. He challenges. And that he does okay. He challenges the guys that he's like, I, I don't know if I can beat him. Maybe Vince Wilfork. <laughs> a lot of people don't think he's so fast. How about the, was it Big Vince that had the hit on Ray Rice where he just depleted Ray Rice? Was that? Oh, man. He had a hit Ray where Rice. he, he depleted a running back in like 2012. Bills. It was versus the Bills. Bills. It was uh, Fred Taylor? It wasn't Fred Taylor, but... Oh man, the name the name is right there. Holy crap. Now I want to find that play. That was awesome. That sounds right. It sounds like it was CJ Spiller, but he killed this poor guy. Oh my god. And it was it was a it was a screenplay, right? It was a screenplay and Big Vince just owned him. It was a screen, that is correct. And of course, the butt fumble, which he caused just by manhandling a great play. Actually, I, I was thinking Mangold for a second, but it wasn't actually Mangold. I'm picturing it right now in my head. Definitely wasn't Mangold. But he destroys this guy, pushes him into Sanchez, and that was basically the end of Mark Sanchez. <laughs> we all knew he wasn't very good before that, but after that, it was over for Mark Sanchez. I mean, nobody was ever going to take him seriously again after that butt fumble. But man, I loved Vince. I loved Vince. Great player. Fun to watch. My, I, Funny story. True story. I've actually told you guys stories. I don't lie. Um, the Asante Samuel one I've told you guys where I had a buddy that – so I, I got the story wrong a ways. I always said that it was Asante's nephew that went to Bellingham, and he confirmed on Twitter because I tweeted him. He was fighting with some Patriots fans recently, and I said, yeah, man, do you remember when you when – you, you know, you, you gave the, do you know who I am to somebody I went to school with? Somebody held open the door for Asante. Asante didn't say thank you or anything. And the kid, you know, says, oh, you're welcome. And Asante went off on him. Do you know who I am? I'm Asante Samuel, bitch. And, you know, he was one of those types of types of characters. And so it turns out it was actually his younger brother. He even said on Twitter, he said, yeah, that was my younger brother, man. We don't give a F. It was like, okay, Asante, man, you, you're going to rock just being a terrible person, and you're proud of it. That's on you. Good congratulations. But um, I don't even remember. How the hell did I start talking about Asante Samuel? Oh, that's right. So Vince, one time my girlfriend used to work at IHOP out there right by the stadium. I think it was in Norwood, which is like – on Route 1, it's like all connected. Norwood, and it goes straight into Foxborough Stadium, essentially. And 
she used to work there and there was a story where she claims Vince was like hitting on her trying to bang her and, and it made me mad at her because it was like why are you trying to make me dislike Vince, Big Vince I love Vince Wilfork you're a lying ass bitch don't you ever say that again and I was actually mad at her she was like I didn't I, I kind of hope it was true because that'd be cool but still it made me mad that she was trying to ruin the Patriots for me and I got a signature from a few Patriots at that time. It was Vince, Tyquan Underwood, and that guy who um, he was in a muscle fitness magazine. Supposedly, he had slept with Kim Kardashian. He was on the Patriots practice squad for a little while. It's worth a Google. I can't remember his name. But he was a real muscular guy. He was on the cover of, like, Men's Health Fitness. Adrian and Wilson. It was... <laughs> It wasn't Adrian Wilson, but Adrian Wilson. He worked out great. Rocked that number twenty-four proud. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, when I, how old was I when this? I think might have been eighteen, seventeen. I was, was just posting Adrian Wilson highlights all over, and I was like, "Yeah, let's go, Adrian." I, you know, I had no clue like that players could like he was gonna be washed, and I was just dumb. Yeah, you just kind of see the name. You just kind of see the name, and you get excited. Not just you, man. We, we've seen the Patriots do that a few times with guys. You hear, you see Joey Galloway. Sign me up for Joey Galloway, baby, and then it's just a total disaster, you know. So it happens to the best of us. It really does, LB. I like your choice there, Will Fork. That works for me. Ty Law, Seymour, all these guys, really good guys. But I think we can all agree that Gronk is probably the one. And Moss, just Moss, obviously elite player, super elite. But does he fit the 2019 offense? I think the answer is probably not. That you said. I think the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is an awesome thing, the NFL celebrating 100 years and. Of course, they like to take backhanded shot at the Patriots every chance they get. But they vote the Patriots' best moment of all time, best game of all time, Super Bowl 51. Julian Edelman's catch, the comeback, 28-3. to I remember I was laying at my house. I just returned from a party, which I never did. But I was planning to—it was funny because I was planning to leave at halftime anyway— and I was like, you told my girlfriend at the time, you know, let's leave at halftime. Let's go back home. We got a dog back home. And we left at halftime. People thought we were laying. The, the Falcons scored on the way home, 28-3. And as soon as I got home, they never scored again. It was, a, it was an epic moment. You can talk about it because you got a lot more stuff to say because I'm going to differ from this moment because I have a better moment. It might be selfish, but go ahead and talk about 51, OB. What do you think about this? So Super Bowl 51 – um, phenomenal, phenomenal game. I remember watching it with my dad. We never gave up the whole time. I was tweeting through it saying, we're going to win. We're going to win. Patriots are going to win. Down 28 to 3, I was saying, nope, it's not over. The Patriots are going to win. I had Broncos fans. You can even ask our, our good friend at David Cisneros. I was saying they're going to win. They were all, you know, kind of giving me crap saying, yeah, that's what we all said last year. You know, because the year prior, they had gotten the crap beaten out of them by the Seahawks. How can you forget 43 to 8? So to me, so, to me, the greatest, the greatest comeback ever is Super Bowl 51. The greatest. To me, that's Brady's Picasso, personally, his own Picasso, because it just kind of signifies everything he was all about his entire career, where you can be down by the most insurmountable amount of points, and he's still going to keep you in it. He's still going to keep grinding. He's always going to fight back. You could. You, we all kind of saw it the year prior, right? Versus, um, versus Denver, where 
uh, I'm sorry, the next year. We saw the no, the, year, the year prior. So I'm, I'm kind of getting lost between so all these Super Bowls that we have going on. So the year before, they lose to Denver. Um, they fight their way through it the entire time. We all remember some of the plays Gronk made down the stretch. Brady was so clutch. Brady got hit over, what, 20 times that day, I believe? 22 hits they got on the quarterback. That was the year Skarnakia kind of had retired. And so we saw that the Patriots were capable of these comebacks. For me, paid, for Brady, it was his Picasso to be able to lead a team back down 28-3, to win Super Bowl MVP, do these amazing things, have these amazing stats. And I'm going to kind of lead this into, I think, probably the way you're leaning, where it was the greatest thing for Brady, but I don't know if it was the greatest game, right? I, I think that I've seen a better Super Bowl from the Patriots, and it wasn't 51. I think that was more about Brady getting his fifth ring and kind of doing what he's always done in Brady-like fashion. You're down all these points. And, you know, at that time, 25 points was obviously the record. Do you know who's second, Bryson? Do you know who has the second largest comeback in Super Bowl history? It was by 10 points. Do you know which quarterback that would be? It's tied second most ever. I'm just trying to think. Was it Tom Brady? It was Tom Brady. It was wow. Tom Brady. Do, what a guy. do you happen to know which what a guy, right? So he has the, the most and then the second most. Do you wonder what game that was? Must have been a good game. It was my favorite game of all time. Of course, I was there at the game, Super Bowl forty nine, where I promised on the final drive, if God willing Tom Brady won, that I would name my firstborn child after Tom Brady. I think I'm actually still I'm still bound to this promise. I, I think I would probably be set on fire if I named my kid anything but Tom Ed Thomas Patrick Edward Brady in some sort of fashion at the very least. I was here Legion of Boom, Arizona, no rings in Spygate, Brady's fourth to Tajay Montana and his stats were much better than Jay Montana's. There just really isn't words for me. The elation I feel when I think about the game, Katy Perry at halftime, the left shark, the def- deflate gate, the Ravens game, the- everything leading up to this, Revis, all the personalities, the team was supposed to win from the very minute it was put together. Vince Wolfork always talks about how he said in training camp, team, this team was going to win the Super Bowl, and they did. And the game was awesome. It was back and forth. It wasn't, you know, the Super Bowl 51 it was an awesome comeback. But for an entire half, the game was kind of a shit game. The Patriots were getting destroyed. And this game, like you said, 10 points. It wasn't, it wasn't ever too bad of a game. It was just kind of right back and forth. The Seahawks made some plays left. And then the best end of play game ever, Malcolm Butler's interception to win the game. I'm literally crying right now as I think about it. I don't know how moments can go because to me, Super Bowl 51 wasn't a moment, right? Do you know what I mean? Like for the greatest moment in Patriots history, I would say it was getting over that hump and Malcolm Butler making that play. Brady picking apart the Legion of Boom, 328 yards, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, but once again, Brady's thing, always grinding back, always battling back. This certain thing about the guy that you couldn't explain, you know? Oh, well, Aaron Rodgers has a better TD-INT ratio. Okay, shut up the hell up, please. Not my fault that your quarterback's a coward and throws the ball away 18 times a game. Yeah, sure, that can be good sometimes, but give me a break. It's also cowardly because we all know Rodgers is a big old coward. Tom Brady, you know, he had he had that interception. I want to say it was uh, 
that linebacker. It was it was Bobby Wagner that picked him off, right? In the third Wagner. quarter and then and then they go on, they stretch that lead to 10 points and so now they're up 24 to 14. And it feels like it feels like oh no, not again. And what does Brady do, man? And he just How about that play to Edelman too where Edelman gets smoked? Brady steps it up in the pocket, fires a friggin' missile. Edelman catches it across middle. Gets, I mean, that game had all these. It was the greatest back and forth game ever. And then at the very end, man, Butler gets beat for that silly play. Curse makes an incredible catch, and it's just like, oh no, oh no, this is gonna happen again. Like Brady's about to lose his third straight. The Patriots are about to lose their third straight. And what happens, man? Malcolm Butler makes this incredible play and silly fools. I know you had this incredible tweet about it where these people want to talk about how it was lucky. Can you please explain to the fools on Twitter why that play wasn't luck? Well, you see LB, this Ernie Adams, this shadowy figure that not a lot of Patriots, maybe a lot of Patriots fans, but not a lot of casual fans know about. Ernie Adams made the Patriots practice against the Seahawks play where they had the rub route where that, that who, who was the rub? Was it, who was the, it was, was it, it was a locket. God, I don't even remember the guy now. I think it was a different locket. There used no. to be a Ricardo. No, locket no, no. There. Yeah. Maybe. They, yeah. they had, it, it might, I might be wrong, but there was two lockets there. I do remember that. And, and Browner eliminated one of them. And then, you know, I'll, I'll let you explain it. Browner eliminated him, and Malcolm Butler got the pick. And all they practiced this with Jamie Collins was Butler at one point. Butler was Butler, and everyone got beat. They never once – they didn't once succeed on this play, but in this moment, they all knew what to do. It wasn't luck. They had practiced it multiple times, and they succeeded. It wasn't luck. It wasn't like they just walked out there and – saw the play and Butler just decided to jump. No, he knew the play. He was like, oh, wow, we've practiced against this three times, four times. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've got the coaching points and now I'm going to go do it. It was good stuff, LB. It was good stuff. I muted myself by accident there. I started talking and I hit it the wrong way. But boy, how could you forget Malcolm Go? Who was that again? Mr. Brian Flores. Malcolm, go. Gives you chills to think about it. And they're going down to this last play. He's not on the field. They're, they're getting their play there for me. Malcolm's not even necessarily ready to go out. He's waiting. Like he's just saying, you know, coach, just if you need me, I'm waiting right here. He's right next to Flores. And you see Flores with the famous Malcolm, go. Sends Malcolm out there. Malcolm makes that play. I have chills just thinking about it. Our good friend, Brian Flores who I know oh, you have had thoughts on. I know you've had thoughts on him for a while, man. You were, you were the first one on this. We, we talked on a podcast not long ago, and you mentioned how he wasn't in the Do Your Job special. Well, Flores, and Flores, of course, beats the Patriots. And Flores is a man that I love very much for what he did for the Patriots defense last year. But Belichick and Nick Saban always talk about when you leave the program, don't tear the program down, do your own thing, build your own program. So Flores takes O'Shea with him. He signs a couple Patriots players off the practice squad. Probably some other coaches I'm forgetting that he took with him, which is a big no-no. So he wasn't in do your job, probably because of this. I don't believe there was much of a handshake. Maybe you saw the handshake. I don't think there was much of one. He talked to the players more than anything. But I think I think that's a little bit of reason why actually O'Shea isn't coming back because he, he fled with Flores and then got fired. And 
both of these guys probably aren't in the ring of very happy. The ring of Belichick is very happy with you because he's probably not. He's there in timeout to say. Absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, McDaniels was hired right back in 2011. Bill O'Brien was already kind of on his way out. It was whispered. A part of me has always felt like Bill O'Brien wasn't coming back regardless to be their offensive coordinator after the Brady fight and everything. And Belichick had to go over and tell Bill O'Brien to shut up and get basically get away from Brady. If people remember back correctly, it was Belichick that had to break them up. And he wasn't exactly mad at Brady. He was telling Bill, back off, because Bill O'Brien went back for more. So a few weeks later, McDaniels gets fired by the Rams or whatever that situation was. The Patriots sign him. Everybody cried, said, this is bull crap. How can the Patriots just bring a coach in like that? Because, of course, the Patriots were playing the Broncos first. People said, oh, he was just the head coach for the Broncos not long ago. He can give them inside tips. That's not fair. And people cried. They wanted a rule change. So I was thinking we'd see something like that with O'Shea. But, you know, it's possible that Belichick just held that grudge, man. He basically, you know would not want to work with O'Shea again at this point. Do you think that's over? Do you think that there's still no chance that they bring O'Shea back? Or is, or is that just... Yeah, I'd say probably not. I don't... I mean, I'm just, I'm just speculating with all this stuff, just putting some dots together. But, I mean, LB and I are pretty good at putting dots together and figuring stuff out. But maybe a lot of people don't want to hear about this. But I'm just saying they probably didn't shake hands. And the first game, if you remember... The Patriots didn't give a shit about letting the throttle off the Dolphins. They were throw- <laughs> they were just like, hey, Antonio Brown, we're going to force feed you, and we're beating the shit out of the De- Brian Flores' Dolphins. So there you go. Good, too. And, I mean, realistically, I've always said letting up on teams is stupid because at the end of the year, point differential and things like that can be used for tiebreakers. It makes no sense not to run up the score on teams. I personally don't care. Patriots, if teams are going to do it to the Patriots, look, go for it. I don't I – don't- Go for it. Have fun. All right? I get it. The Patriots will do it to you. You should do it to the Patriots when you get the chance. Everybody should run up the score on everybody. So that way we don't have to pick and choose when it's okay, when it's not okay. If this was against it. No. Everybody should be trying to score points. If your backups are in there, they should try to score points. I'll never forget when I was in high school, you know, my my brother and I, we, we were on the same. This kid, he they, they put their JV guys in. Um. And the, the JV kid rips off like a 68-yard touchdown. We did not have a good football team that year. We were really bad. This kid, this kid, JV kid, rips in. There's like two minutes left in the game. They're already up 30 points. And the guy looks at my dad. He says, you know, because my dad was always in the chain gang. He always felt it was the best view to the house, you know, because he gets down there. He could t- hold the chains. But he's right there on the field. He's closer than the coaches, literally. I mean, to do the chains, you got the best seat in the house in the game. You're literally you're on the friggin' field level with, and you're looking right down the, you know, looking right at the football all day long to, to do the chains. It's actually, it was my dad's own thing. He loved to do it. Always made sure he got the chains. And the coaches looks at my dad. My dad would always be talking to the opposing team coaches, you know, all game long, he'd be talking to them. And, you know, meanwhile, also yelling stuff at my brother and I, and the coach says, look, I'm sorry, man, but what am I supposed to tell the kid? You know, my dad said, you know, look, if that was my kid and he gets his chance in the game and he can run and rip off a touchdown, I want him to. So I hate that. I hate the whole you shouldn't you know, protect the unwritten rules of don't run up the score. I think everybody should run up the score on everybody. That's my opinion. Um, I, probably no one cares, but I have a really funny story about this from high school. So I think my freshman year, freshman year basketball, playing JV with one of my 
very, very good friends. I can't remember if we were up big or we were down big, but I was in the game still, so that probably meant that we were, we were in fact, losing. We were playing a really good team. And let's just say the other team put in, you know those videos where the kid gets in that really doesn't play much and he scores a three or whatever and everyone high-fives him. And so it's a good, it's a feel-good moment. I love the way the story is headed. Please keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, so I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor. <laughs> and uh, let's just say this kid comes in where you're like, okay, I should probably take it easy on this kid. You know, obviously he doesn't play much and he's at the end of the bench. And so he gets in the game. He's got goggles on and he's having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy for him. I'm like, this kid's playing. It's awesome. You know, everyone can play basketball. The crowd is super into it. They're like, yeah, what's, what's his name's in the game? Score. They all want him to score. So first possession, he gets the ball. First of all, he takes like five steps with the ball. No one cares at all because we all want him to score. And so my best friend, who I won't say his name, but my best friend is, he's not the kind of guy that would look at him and be like, I need to take it easy. He was like, he was always like in, I need to always go hard. I'm not thinking about anything else. Because, I don't know, he just always was like that. So, the kid gets the ball, literally takes off running with the ball, takes a dribble, goes a jump. And, and, and my buddy just, like, sends his shit into the stands. And I, was, <laughs> and like, I look at him, and I, I yelled his name, and I was like, dude! And he's looking at me, and his, his face says it all. His face, he wasn't like... He wasn't, he wasn't like, yeah, see that? That'll teach you to put so-and-so in the game. His face was generally like, oh, shit. You know, I was just, I'm just playing basketball here. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm thinking about what would coach say to me. Like he was, he, he couldn't see that far into the game where he was like, man, what would coach say to me? I mean, I got to play defense. And I was like, I was kind of the leader of this, this five at the time. And I was like, I was like, Hey, what are you doing? And then the kid caught the ball and he scored. And I, I mean, I texted him about the other day. And he's like, I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, you do. It was right there. You son of a gun. I remember it. You'll never tell anyone <laughs> telling everyone. He was one of these guys. <laughs> he packed you know, his shit. I, the crowd was like, the crowd was like, oh, and I was like, great, we're gonna get shot. Great, we're all gonna die. We're gonna let our, they're gonna like flip our bus after the game and just kick all of our asses because you just did that. You just started, a, you just started like a cross county rivalry right there. You know, man, I kind of get it though. I kind of get it. You know, the coaches. It kind of sucks because they're like, yeah, yeah, we're kicking this team's ass. We're gonna. It's I don't know. It's there's the you could feel a couple it's ways. Kind of disrespectful. It is a little bit, right? Like maybe your friend was was perceived as the disrespectful one, but I mean, they're putting out putting out this guy out there, like you know, and, and they're doing it versus your team, which kind of makes it like you know we 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 played this team, man. This team had lost three straight years. My brother's junior year. Um, I was actually I this was before. I, I was actually a freshman at the time. I actually played some varsity as a freshman, but I, I didn't play much in this game. The coaches on our team were just like, oh, you know, we, we might play the freshman this week, and this team's so bad. They came into our own our own field and beat us, and our coaches were talking about playing the younger. And look, man, you know, that's that's disrespectful stuff in my opinion. You know, our coaches were wrong for that, thinking that we, we're going to beat this team. They haven't won it. They literally hadn't won a game in about three years. They were that bad. It was Ashland High School. They were that bad. And, you know, you know, if you're going to do that and put these kids in versus us, man, I think I would have done the same thing, man. Like, I'm sending his shit into the stands. I get it. You get, And it makes me think of two movies. If you've ever seen Not Another Team Movie, 
He, of course, yep. throws it to Marty in the end zone. He catches it. He gets ripped in half. Great <laughs> part. Do it for Marty's torso. And, you know, Marty, of course, uh, I don't think he's walking that one off. And then I think of um, Hank Hill, the episode where if you guys have ever seen King of the Hill, there's a great episode where basically the kid breaks um, Bill Dotry's record, the Bill Dozer. He breaks his record for touchdowns and a single season for the school, but they let him walk in because the kid blew out his knee the week before. So he's all casted up and he's just, they let him, you know, use his crutches and the whole team, they all get together and they let him walk it in for the score. And so that rubbed some people the wrong way. And it was funny because even when he's walking into the end zone, he drops the football and the kid from the other team picks it up and hands it to him. He's like, here you go, man. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't think it would be in me to just be the guy to like let this kid score on me. Do you know what I mean? I get it. This was like our own gym corner. We didn't even mean for it to be, huh? But look, I do. I get it, man. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Do you? I'm really weird about stuff. Like, would you want? Would I don't know, Bryson. Would you let this kid like posterize you just because like you feel bad for him and he sucks? And like, let's say that he's gonna make that play on you. What are you doing, man? Are you letting him embarrass you? No. I'm not, but I think I, I think what I would no. do is if he was if he was my guy, what I would do is I would just run away. I would just run to the complete opposite side of the court and be like, you know what, this ain't on me. I'm gonna go double someone. I'm gonna go look like I'm doing something over here. I'm gonna leave this to someone else. It's it's like that video out there where everybody's letting some guy score, some little kid score, and everybody's cheering him like, yeah, go, 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 and then like a deep safety comes in and just lays him out, and he's standing <laughs> over the. Do you have you seen that video? Yeah. <laughs> That's like, and it's like I get it, man. I'd be like, no, you know what? Not versus us. That disrespect. You can get that disrespect out of here. I don't think so. Ob, this has been a great time so far. You know, we, me and R slash Patriots, of course, that's a good friend of yours. We talked about the Titans a whole lot. I don't, I don't think we need to harp on it too much, the X's and O's and all this stuff. We talked about all this stuff, kind of what, what are your main thoughts for the game? Are the Patriots going to win? And can this spark a Super Bowl run? You know, a lot of people think that maybe the Patriots can, they had this, in my mind, the Patriots defense got this switch, kind of like the Miami Heat did when they were losing their they were losing at the end there where they they were a really good team and they were talented but they couldn't flip that switch because they just played so much football and it's and they needed that they needed that carrot in front of them but they they it was just always too late maybe the Miami Dolphins loss was this little switch and the Patriots defense can now flip the switch and just go on a tear because they're absolutely talented enough can they do it LB and will they do it Saturday and will I drown in the rain (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You're going to the game. You know, I don't think you'll drown. I do think that there are enough title talk uh, listeners, and I know the intern always has your best interests at heart. I think that somebody will be out there to save you, make sure that you don't drown. We certainly don't. Why? Are you telling me that it's going to rain? I just saw something that I thought was going to be perfect weather. That was like days ago, though. Oh, are they saying God. it's going to rain? It it's, it's supposed to be like a downpour. I'm going to be... Oh. So Dude, I can't. Bad. I can't like just rock my title talk hoodie. I gotta like wear a stupid poncho and look like a goof and wear boots. You can wear and the just... hoodie over the poncho. I used to wear. No, actually, that might look kind of weird, huh? Might not look right. <laughs> a poncho. What the hell am I talking about? Yeah, just wear it over the giant poncho that's made to go over everything. Dude, I'm thinking if it rains, that's bad news for us. No, I don't think anybody wants to hit there. If you remember the Nick Chubb game, the Browns game, Nick Chubb went off. That think of that like. 
but worse. I don't think that rain would be good for this game at all. I think that would be very bad for the Patriots, the way that Derrick Henry runs. I don't think anybody wants to be tackling him in that weather, or is even, it's real hard to tackle in that weather. And you put Derrick Henry in that crap, I don't know if anybody hears, I got another reference for you, Seinfeld, where he bets on these horses, he says he's a mutter. His mother was a mutter. And, you know, the, the joke is this horse runs real well in the rain and the, the slop and in the mud. And I think Derrick Henry might be a mutter. I don't think we want that. We know Nick Chubb was a mutter. I don't think we want that, man. I think that would be bad. But I'll tell you what, man, like you said about the defense, I do think they can flip the switch. We all remember last year, the defense had ups and downs all years last year. They flipped that switch in January. They came out on top victorious, shut down the Rams, 33 points in that game. They shut down the Chiefs for an entire half. The, the Chargers never really got anything going all day except for some late stuff versus you know prevent defense and one play uh, from Keenan Allen there in the beginning of the game that big touchdown but I mean I think they can man you know this is a battle-tested group they've they've done it all they've seen it all um, I know Deion Sanders says he thinks this was the best thing that could have happened to them especially because offensively they're so bad they don't need a week off it would have actually hurt them he feels Look, the Patriots, I mean, you can't tell me they're hearing all this. You can't tell me that they don't that they haven't turned on that if I guarantee you Belichick has turned on that TV and let them watch FS1 and let them see that countdown, the end of the Patriots dynasty. And I'll be honest with you, man, that same stuff all crossed my, that my mind during that Miami game. I, I felt it all kind of weak. I felt it more during the Bills week. I, and I just want to say, anybody that's out here that's going to the game, I know you'll do your part. Please get loud. Please go crazy. The Miami game, one big issue for me is that there was no playoff atmosphere for the Patriots. The Dolphins were feeling it. That was their Super Bowl. They were able to upset you again, just like 2015. Just like it could have been last year when they beat you with the Miami Miracle, but the Patriots turned it up again. Look, they can flip a switch, and they can do this. It's going to be hard certainly going to be hard, but I mean, it's the New England Patriots. I do think that they have something left up their sleeve. I do think that this is a this is a prideful group of players. This is a prideful coaching staff. Tom this is a prideful, that is, you nailed it, right? I mean, every, you, I think you, you played the thing earlier. Somebody played it, right? Bucky Brooks says he's the worst quarterback left in the playoffs. The worst. You're telling me they're not playing this shit in the facility, just letting every... This is one of those weeks where you want to hear all the noise, right? Every drop of noise, let the team hear it. Acknowledge the noise. F, ignore the noise. Acknowledge the noise. This is a week where you want to acknowledge the noise. Shut everybody the hell up. The dynasty... Did it feel like at times, like maybe this... Listen, that was a huge loss. That does... <laughs> but if there's any team that you just don't want to count out, man, you tell me, Bryson, is there... When, do you go into things and think... I'm going to count the Patriots out for sure because they have no chance. In my opinion, they've always had a hot shot. They've had a shot every year since 2001. They always have a shot. They always make it interesting. Battle-tested team. I wouldn't want to count them out. I want to inject the noise into my veins, and I want to also note that I have a score of 30-28 Patriots. The Titans offense looks good at times, but the Patriots defense does enough late, and the offense gets going, and... Our main man, Mohamed Sanu, makes up for the few weeks of extremely bad play and looking like, at times, that he's just... I, I don't I can't even think of a comparison right now. But Mohamed Sanu shows up. Brady connects with him, like, before the, like before he got hurt. 30-28. What's your score, LB? I'm not counting the Patriots out. This game night, they're wrong. That's tough. So you have them going 30-28? I'll tell you what. We've joked about it at times this year, and then it turned into not being a joke. Let's have the punt team make a play. 
Oh punt my team. gosh. Punt team always makes a play. Punt team always makes a play. So it's, we're going to get a big play from the punt team, probably in the second quarter, third quarter, but we're going to get that big play from the punt team. Somehow it's going to be a touchdown, whether the offense is a short field or, or something. The punt team's going to make a great play. I'm going to go New England 24, Tennessee 24. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick to the 24. 24 to 20. How's that? It's gonna be. It's gonna be a late game. You know, Tennessee's gonna have the ball maybe late. Ryan Tannehill interception. Stephon Gilmore makes up last week. Stephon Gilmore had a bad week last week. Let's go 24 to 20. Punt team makes a play. The offense does just enough. They start running the ball well. I don't know. I have a feeling maybe we start to see more in Kale Harry, and maybe he starts to make more plays. I don't know why. I haven't been as big on the guy at times this year, but I have a feeling about in Kale Harry here in January. I don't know. I just, I like, listen, it's not easy. It's it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, all right? Tennessee has a lot to play for. Mike Vrabel has a lot to play for, who, by the way, thank you for how great he was as a player here. He is not really the greatest guy. There's things that just not a huge variable guy personally i would love to beat variable stick it up his ass send the patriots back home send the titans home let's go back to kansas city man right let's go back to kansas city let's break out those tom brady's retirement party shit again in kansas city and let's take all those banners let's play all the video of them stomping on brady's jersey those guys are celebrating that second seed they want to give ryan fitzpatrick playing the stupid ass drum in their dumbass stadium yeah cool play a drum okay weirdos they're celebrating a second seed like it's a super bowl f them f andy reed trolling them andy reed could shove it up his fat ass too dumbass kool-aid freak F all those guys. This is, you know, Van Noy can be very cringe, but you know what? Revenge tour. I like it, dude. Let's seriously. The Patriots need some of that. All right. They need some of that. They had some of that swagger and cockiness last postseason. People have forgotten a little bit. Patrick Chung before the Super Bowl. We're going to kick their ass. And what did the Dave defense do, Bryson? What did they do to the Rams, Bryson? They went out there and they kicked their ass. Hard, I might add. It was a hard ass kicking it was a long day for the rams they were they had no ass left after that aaron donald we all remember trent just standing over aaron donald like he was a little man let's get some more of that going man where's the patriots see they've you know last week it felt like their defensive game plan was very vanilla that just didn't feel like they were real throw it all it's time man let's get that sanu pass going where's sanu's pass ben we need the sanu pass who's it going to who is sanu going to throw the pass to bryson it's Dorset. Oh, so it's going to be incomplete? Yeah. No, he catches everything. Sorry. <laughs> that guy's... Oh, man. I... Man, oh. Dorset. Last week, Brady got so much heat. Say everybody saying he overthrew him. He blatantly points up the field, says, Dorset, up, up, up. Run up the field. And what does Dorset do? He stops and jumps for it like an idiot. And everybody greatest. says, Brady overthrew him. The greatest I don't think Brady overthrew him. He's the greatest He's the Wide receiver one. Wide receiver one. LB, you just really fired me up. That was, well, that was an amazing 45 minutes of podcast. Unfortunately, I got to go play basketball with a bunch of old dudes, and I got to show them how it's done. But thanks for coming on the pod, and if you're listening, up next is r slash Patriots, which also has some good stuff. But I'm happy to be back with my main man, LB, and everyone follow LB on Twitter. LB, what's your at now? At the moment, I have two. I have 
Gronk underscore Nandez. We'll see how that goes. They they locked it because Twitter hates me. So I'm trying to get that one back. And of course, I have the one I'm on right now is Prime Al Bundy. I've been I picked up the box set from Married with Children. I've always been a huge fan. I owned it at one point. I lost a bunch of the discs. So what I did was I got it again for Christmas. It came in an Amazon today, actually. So I'm gonna actually watch some Al Bundy tonight. The goat. But as always, it was great being back with you, Bryson. Man, I'm hoping that we can do this again. And Really just get amped up for Kansas City, man. You know, let's get this done. Let's beat the Titans, and let's let's get Kansas City again, you know? Their fans suck. Patrick Mahomes and his girlfriend and his brother can all cry after the Patriots upset them. Let's do this again, man. Let's, let's go to Kansas City and beat them not again. Not dead. Yes, not dead yet. Not dead yet. Not dead. It was good to talk to you, OB. Go Pats and 1-0 season. That's right. One and O season. One more. Do your job. Let's do this again, man. Let's do this again after the Patriots beat the Titans, and let's move on to Kansas City, brother. I love you all. Love you, buddy. Hello, everyone. It is Bryson here, and I'm with a very, very special friend of mine. You guys probably know him. It's r slash Patriots, Reddit Patriots. He goes by Doug. How are you, Doug? How are you today? I love to see you on the podcast, and I'm glad you're here. What's up? I'm fucking great. I bought my tickets. I'm super stoked for the game. Going back to Massachusetts for the first time in five years, taking a 14-hour bus to get there. But my bus, man. depression, yeah, fucking working-class fan here. My depression from the Dolphins game has passed. It's it's definitely been replaced by excitement for for the wild card game at this point. So actually, I'm I'm pretty stoked and. I'm happy to be here, and I'm sorry for dicking you around for two or three months, but like the Super Bowl 51 of podcast appearances, I, I came through in the end. This is a great mashup of Reddit <laughs> Reddit Patriots online and Twitter, which ha- did you like just recently get into Twitter a lot more heavy or? I wasn't on. I made the Twitter account in 2016, but I kind of took a break last year. I've definitely been using the Twitter account more this season than the past couple of seasons, especially like using it as if it were my personal account, like uh, the pro football talk guy does, uh, as opposed to past seasons when it was kind of just a feed of the of the Reddit threads for the most part. Yeah, definitely awesome follow. If you don't follow Reddit slash Patriots or at r slash Patriots, go follow them right now. Or you're kind of dead to me. So I'm a huge fucking smart ass. So if you just love like <laughs> you want to get. Like the best in-depth analysis, follow someone like Evan Lazar or Lee Schechter or Pat's Cap. But if you want like just the person who's the best at being a huge fucking smartass in regards to the Patriots on Twitter, then then follow us. Yeah, of course. And he's all for the Jordan Morris lander, which we do for very frequently on Twitter. And everyone loves to see it that's listening to this podcast, I'm very sure. So what's how long have you been on Reddit Patriots? And what's it like on Reddit Patriots? You're gonna have to tell me because I only know I only know about Reddit Patriots. Occasionally, I'll get on there. Someone will send me a link. KP will send me some links. You probably know KP. I only really know there's one time I was on Reddit Patriots for being Turkey Bryson is the source, which is a very funny moment for me. But what's it like, and how long have you been on there? So Reddit, for people who don't know, is a link-sharing site. Um, It's anonymous. So it's kind of like a mix between Facebook and Twitter, uh, but it's anonymous like Twitter. Um, and except instead of following people, you follow topics. So Patriots is one of the topics. It's one of the communities and anyone can post there if it's Patriots related and people vote 
and whatever is recent and get lots of votes is what you see. And this can be links to other stuff around the internet or something fan created or things that the mods of the subreddit make like game threads. And we can remove things and we can sticky things at the top, but it's not like a curated thing that we run in a top-down way. It's the, the content comes and is sorted by the users as a whole. Um, and back in the day, uh, the team communities didn't have a lot of subscribers. Now we have like 100,000, 200,000, something crazy like that subscribers more than any other NFL team. But back in the day when Reddit was smaller and sports Reddit wasn't as much of a thing in like 2011, 2012, everyone just used the NFL community and the team communities were small. Um, but I was addicted to Reddit and my past fandom was reaching a new level around 2011, 2012. So I thought that instead of just talking at, in the NFL game threads, we should have our own Patriots game threads. And I didn't run the subreddit or anything, but I started making game threads because no one else was. And I would put official game thread in the thread title and make it all neat looking so everyone would use mine, even though it wasn't actually official. That was a lie. <laughs> and so in 2012, I became the game thread creator. And then in 2013, I asked to join the mod team. And they're like, sure, you can join the mod team. You can be the official game thread creator. You already make them anyway. And basically, in like some kind of crazy manipulative way, I ended up effectively taking over the subreddit. And then in 2016, I made the Twitter account and NFL teams, the whole NFL Reddit thing and, and the team subreddits grew a lot in popularity and activity. And through some sort of scheming and just being a nerd on the internet all day, talking about sports, I uh, managed to end up being the de facto leader of the Reddit Patriots community. That's literally awesome. So you, you literally created game threads. And so this is kind of like a place where I can comment underneath and during the game, people will actually follow these comments. Yeah. So there's an official thread for each game and we'll get thousands and thousands playoff games will get like 10 or 20 or 30,000, I think comments per game. And it used to only be like a few dozen, then it was a few hundred, then it was a few thousand, but yeah, there's an official one for each game to go along with all of the random comments people make and random submissions people make. But I didn't, I, I, and that's basically how I got in was I just was the first one to make them back before anyone went there. So it was kind of like a buy low, sell high scenario where I was there first. So because I was there first, making game threads first, I became the game thread guy, and then I became a mod. And then I was more active than the other mods, so the other mods kind of let me be the de facto leader, the leader in practice. There was no official leader on the mod team, but as the one that's active the most and the one that's been active for the longest, I'm basically the leader. You, you are know, the leader. Do what I I'll, yeah, I'll officially say it. I will say you're the leader. I'll just okay, go ahead and do it. You. you started the game thread, and you basically created... You basically created Twitter on Reddit for the Patriots. So you did that way before any of us. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and I noticed like all the teams have official accounts now, like all the Reddit communities and all the Reddit teams, but we were doing it like three or four years ago before it was cool. Yeah, imagine being like the Cleveland Browns Reddit. Just an, <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, that would be lame. Man, can you, can you like, did you defend my honor on the Turkey Bryson thing? No, I actually don't really remember what happened there, to be honest. <laughs> I you said tell the story. I said something. I was literally, so all the time, I'll just quote Lombardi from his podcast because, and I actually, it's kind of like what you just did in a way. I'll quote Lombardi on his podcast all the time, and people will actually message me and say, hey, can you get that? Like people from 985 WEI will message me and say, hey, give me the audio. We want to play it on the show tomorrow. 
And I was quote I was quoting Lombardi in an OBJ thing. OBJ wants to be a Patriot really bad. And someone put it online and said and said something like Turkey Bryson is the source, like acting like I was like some piece of shit or something. I don't know, but it was funny. I made it on there. Tur- oh, not- your, your display name was Turkey Bryson because of yeah. Thanksgiving, and you always yeah. do the holiday display name thing. Okay. Yeah, like he was like, um, I'm not surprised, but Turkey Bryson is the source. Like I was literally quoting L- Mike Lombardi, and they're like acting okay, like I was I was you. giving up some sort of secret information. But do you know KP by any okay, chance? Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that now. I thought for some reason I thought you were talking about something that happened a while ago. You're talking about in November. Yes, that's right. Around yeah, that was funny. Probably. That was funny. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the, the screenshots live forever now. That was that was a really good moment in my life where I felt like, wow, Turkey Bryson is the source. I've made it. Someone Would you act- rather people think your name is Turkey or think your name is R slash? Well, people call you Slash, which is really cool. Like you can, you can like gift guitar memes of Slash and like all sorts of cool shit like that. So I wouldn't use the Photoshop Slash guitar player with like Douglas MacArthur, the general's face on him, and like a Patriots hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. Maybe next year I might not do the turkey thing because I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more serious. But maybe not. Turkey Bryson and Jolly Bryce. That's who I am at this point. That's just me. One cool thing about Reddit is that we would get in trouble if we tried to monetize it personally. Like, like, I guess indirectly we could, we can use our Reddit stuff to try to make a career, but we're not allowed to like profit off the subreddit or things directly connected to it. So there's almost like not an incentive to be too serious because we're not allowed to make money anyway. So it kind of lets us do whatever the fuck we want, which is kind of fun. Uh, Michael Lombardi though, he's interesting. He kind of uh, got a lot of prominence with the whole Jamie Collins story three years ago. I feel like he gets a lot of attention and people listen to him largely because A, he used to work with Belichick and he's kind of Belichick's mouthpiece in the media and B, because his last name is Lombardi. Like, I just feel like having that connection to, even though I don't think he's actually related to Michael Lombardi or uh, Vince no, Lombardi, not. <laughs> just having that connection <laughs> to those two of the greatest coaches ever probably just subtly in people's minds was like, wow, I should listen to this guy. He knows Bill Belichick and his last name is Lombardi. I mean, you just described me to a T. You just literally described like 20-some-year-old me when Lombardi came on the scene. <laughs> like, wow, his last name's Lombardi. He's friends with Belichick. I've seen him standing on the sideline with Belichick with his hands crossed. He must be really smart, and he actually is really smart. I really love him. Love the guy. He's right about a whole lot, actually. So that's why I continuously listen to his podcast and quote tweet. He doesn't really say much about the Patriots, though. That's the thing. He tries not to say it. Stuff about the, he doesn't make game predictions for the Patriots. Really, he doesn't really talk about Patriots game afterwards unless it's like some disaster loss, like the Dolphins game. But not a whole lot. If you remember, he predicted the, the Eagles Super Bowl win. I had the Eagles winning that division, and and there was an RNFL thread that offseason that said, "What team do you think is the most underrated this year?" And I gave like five different reasons. It was the Eagles. Um, like teams of exceed expectations that are underrated. So I get some credit for that, although I wish they hadn't won the Super Bowl, obviously. Oh, Just man. What, there. what an absolute horrible time. Just watching Nick Foles just demolish the Patriots up and down the field. What, 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 what was Reddit looking like right then? Was everyone just, was everyone like, yeah, we're, we're going to come back? Or was everyone freaking I don't, out? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I try, during <laughs> playoff games, off. I try to stay out of the thread, even though I make the thread. Um. You ask me what Reddit's like, though. 
like what the community is like it's way too fucking negative that's probably just past fans on the internet in general but the the bitching and it's a lot worse than it was five years ago i think there's like a second wave of bandwagoners have showed up it's uh with with these three super bowls the bitching anytime we are dominating a game gets pretty annoying um and i'm kind of known for being the optimistic one and always trying to like encourage people to be more positive and all that um i did that famously in super bowl 51 you know quoting brady saying We've been in worse situations than this one and stuff like that in the first half and in the third quarter and people dunking on me when the score got even worse. So that was one of sort of my famous moments was uh, was rallying everyone during Super Bowl 51, which obviously we ultimately won. Um, and then another cool thing we did was jinxing Justin Tucker that season in 2016. Um, we had a bunch of posts saying he had made like 50 straight field goals. Um, and some people were like, that's dumb. You know, karma doesn't exist. Jinxing doesn't exist. But on Twitter and Reddit, we kept saying, mentioning the fact that he had made like 30 or 40 field goals in a row and there was no no way he was going to miss the next one. And uh, it got blocked. So that was pretty cool, too. Was that the was that who was that that jumped over? What was his name? Shane McClellan, right? Yep, I think so. The Shane McClellan block. So you're we, you're way more optimistic than me because me during Super Bowl Fifty One, I was laying down. I did not move one single. I didn't move an inch until they tied it up. I think I didn't. I literally did not move the entire second half. I just laid there in despair. Just laid there. As soon as I think I doubt crept into my mind in the third quarter. In the first half, I wasn't too worried. Um, when we didn't score on the first drive of the third quarter. And then the Falcons scored again. I have to admit, I got worried then. Fortunately, I didn't have my phone with me anymore. It was charging, and I kind of took a break from the internet. So there's no record of this, but doubt crept into my mind. I didn't think we were going to lose for sure, but doubt. I had some doubt. But then once uh, we scored, and then Hightower had that uh, forced fumble, after that, I was like, okay, we're going to win. Once, once that, once After the Hightower play, I knew we were going to win. So you're a better man than me. You're you're away. Remember the 2013 game against Denver? I actually didn't watch that game. I, I left. I, I had basketball. See, I, I played pickup basketball. Like tonight, I play pickup basketball every Tuesday, Thursday. So that was a Thursday night game, right? Or was it a Sunday oh, night game? It was Sunday night. So Sunday nights, I play basketball too. So the game started getting a little out of hand. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to basketball. I'm going to go play ball. And then was getting texts like the Patriots are coming back. And I was like, yeah, sure, guys. And then looked, and I I ended up getting the the last portion of the fourth quarter. So ever since that game, and I watched that game at the sports bar that became my lucky sports bar. And we, we won our like first 20 or something games that I watched there. And that's how we won Super Bowl 59 and 51. That was the first game I watched at that bar that, that ever since that game, I never doubt the Patriots in any situation. And then we had, and, and, and that same year we had the Cleveland game and the saints game that we came back in. Right. We almost came back against Denver in the AFC Championship game that season. Next year, we had uh, the Ravens game we came back in. And we came back, obviously, in Super Bowl Forty Nine, um, down 10 points. We were at third and long, down 10 points in the middle of the fourth quarter at one point. So, I mean, after all of those examples, you know, you just, I couldn't doubt the Patriots anymore. And I would actually say that Super Bowl 51 was less surprising to me than that Broncos game in 2013 because we had just done it so many times already at that point. 
Yeah, see, um, my my Patriots dad, Patriots Jets be forty nine. I call him. He he. I remember him tweeting, "We've got them right where we want them," and it was like twenty one to three. And I was like, "I'll oh, get the <laughs> hell out of here." And I, I I was at a party. It was actually something I don't do. Is I went to a Super Bowl party. I'm really superstitious, so I always stay home and watch the games. But this time, I went out, had a little party. It was twenty one three. I left at halftime. They scored literally again on my way home. Once I got home, the Patriot the the Falcons never scored again. So then I was like, yep, never, ever, ever will I ever go to another Super Bowl party if the Patriots play in another Super Bowl. Ever. <laughs> and people, and we don't come back every time, but after that game, how can you ever count us out? Like, and people will, will use times we've lost, like the Dolphins game, as an excuse to be negative, but that's not the point like obviously we're not magically going to win every game no matter what kind of deficit we have but you can't count the patriots out of games anymore after you've seen that absolutely so, not you want to talk the about the dolphins game? Kind of me off. yeah let's let's talk about some some football and some football that happened uh recently oh man i'm not gonna lie this game gave me a thumping headache alonzo had a nice 40 minute rant on the podcast last time this game gave me a thumping headache. It was literally the exact opposite of what I thought it was. But the Patriots, the game was dull, bleak the whole game. The Patriots came back. Tom Brady put them up 24-20. And then Fitzmagic happened. Some tiles weren't used. And I was like, I was literally sick of everything for like a solid. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a like a 40-hour window guy where I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone for 48 hours. And I try to be optimistic on Twitter, but that's really what the opposite I am. Like, I'm just pounding headache, awful. What did you think of the game? I was pissed. <laughs> of course. I, I was. I was <laughs> Everyone. The two seed was literally on the line. And it, I mean, I had this tweet about, like, Patriots fans complaining about the season when they, when they would secure the two seed. And then, like, it happened. And if you told me before the game... What's the percent chance you think the Patriots are going to lose this game at home against the Dolphins? I'd probably give you like a negative percent, and then it happened. <laughs> I'd have probably said like 5%. I don't... Yeah. I'm kind of one of those nothing is ever certain guys, except for the Patriots winning the AFC East. That's certain. But other than that, nothing in sports is ever certain. So <laughs> I, I don't like to give like 0% or 0.001% probabilities. I'd, I'd probably have given like 5% or maybe 2%. Um, but I, I was pissed. Did you said that everyone was pissed, but like, I was really pissed. I was really floored. Uh, people will get pissed every time we lose or every time we don't dominate, but I'm not one of those people. Um, it had been a long, long time until I was actually, since I'd last been actually truly shocked by a loss and I was in this game after this game, I don't get pissy and freak, freak out when we lose a road divisional game which are usually are good to, to lose one of per year, usually in Miami, sometimes in Buffalo or New York. Um, I don't freak out when we lose you know, a road game to a good divisional opponent or a good AFC opponent. I don't freak out when we lose a game to a team like the, the Broncos or the Chiefs or the Ravens that have given us, or the Giants, that have given us trouble over the years. And I don't freak out when we lose a game to a random NFC team, which are usually good to lose one of per year, although we haven't this season. Um, so I'm not one of those people, but this game, actually like i was floored that we lost and i was actually upset after the game for the first time in like 10 years um because like upset in like an indignant way because it was at home it was against an opponent that i had a bad record 4 and 11 coming into the game 
there was something on the line. It wasn't like, you know, the last week of 2014 where there was nothing on the line. Like a buy was on the line. Um, our team wasn't sick, like been against Houston. Like there's all these little sort of conditions and exceptions that make Patriots losses okay. And all of our losses for like 10 years since like, I don't know, the, the Wildcat game against the Dolphins in 2008. Uh, since, 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 some, since sometime around like 2008 to 2010, this is like the first time a game didn't check any of those boxes. It was just like an inexcusable loss at home against a bad team that we really needed to win and we didn't. So I was pissed off. I'm over it now, but if 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 this interview had happened within a couple of days after the game, I would have been really upset for the first time in a while. You ever see that meme of the guy that's just punching the shit out of the TV and breaking the shit out of it? I think that there's lots of memes and gifts and shit like that. So sure, I've seen it. And yeah, yeah. That, is, that is how it felt. <laughs> that, that was me. I, I'm like you. I don't really get too upset during the games. So I don't yell at the TV, but this was one of those rare times where I'm yelling at the TV before half. The it's like 142. The Dolphins, the Dolphins have a third down. They don't convert. The clock's running. The Patriots got three timeouts. Tom Brady, and I'm like, this is a home playoff game. This game's the Dolphins are just moving the ball at will. You just got to stop. This is the time where trust Tom Brady's probably not going to throw another pick six. Use your timeouts. Try to at least get three here, and they just they just punt before the half. And I was like, I'm screaming at my TV. I'm like wanting to call timeout. I'm like pressing select on my controller and shit. I was not yeah. very happy. I didn't agree with that. The game was too close. It was a home playoff game for the two seed. I mean, if we had had a a heavy lead, that would be one thing. But we didn't. Like it's not like we were leading by three scores. Um. I mean, maybe Belichick just didn't trust the offense and wanted to use halftime as an opportunity to get it together. But still, the like I remember the Jags did that against us in the AFC Championship game in 2017, and we roasted the Jags for doing that for the next two weeks. And then we did the same thing here, and we lost just like they did. Yes, yes. When any time you get the, ch- and it's funny because in those like two minute situations, it feels like it's so much easier to move the ball. When you want to just spread teams out and just move the ball, I mean, you got Tom Brady. You just need one chunk play from Philip Dorstink or someone like that, and you've got and you've got a field goal out of it. And the Patriots punted, and we did it twice, right? Like we did it before the half. Yeah, and then we did it again at the end of the game. Yes, the Patriots. Was it like a Seahawks situation where they were trying to see if the Dolphins would just screw it up and not call timeout? Because I was because. I'm they like doing the, the tea with my hands. I'm doing the tea with my hands, calling timeout for Bill Belichick, and they, they didn't do it. It seemed like the Seahawks situation. They made, I mean, that was definitely their logic. Like, they made the calculation in real time. Okay, if the Dolphins feel they need to score quick, they're more likely to fuck it up than, than if we give them the timeouts and try to match them. And they just didn't have a lot of faith in the offense and, and thought that the Dolphins would screw it up. But I don't agree with that logic in that situation because if you look at the Seattle game, and other games where we had made that type of decision, uh, our defense was rolling. The whole momentum of the game was on our side. Um, this was the opposite. So, yeah, this was the opposite. And, and, and yeah, the Seahawks ended up getting to the goal line, but they did that with one chunk play that was like a miracle fluke. You know, that would have been called the miracle in the desert and listed with the helmet catch and the sideline catch. Um, the, the circus catch that, uh, that what's-his-face made? Kierce. Uh, yes. made if 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 the if the Seahawks had won that game but 
for the last, you know, 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, our defense had been beating our offense. There was reason to have faith in the defense. Fitzpatrick was dinking and dunking down the field very easily, and we were showing no fight at all. So why would you have faith in our defense in that situation? So that's why I think they made the wrong calculation there. And then at the end of the first half, it was just inexcusable. It was quick slants, baby. It was quick slants. Yeah. I posted on Twitter. It's literally, literally quick slants. Cover zero, quick slants. It was owning. It felt like there was. Yeah, and that's it's literally like some Madden shit. Like there was that meme with the Madden play. It's like I fear no man, but that thing it scares me. Yeah. It's got the slants play for Madden. Did you make that? No. (laughs) But, but the the, that's literally like what you do with Madden. Like someone's got man covers or blitzing. Okay, you switch to slants. And and then some fast guy with a short pass with some yards after catch. So, like if it was if if some Madden level skills can counter us, then there's probably a problem, and I hope our defense will mix it up in the playoffs. But yeah, I was I was livid after this game. This is this was Brady's first uh, lo- loss to at home to an AFC opponent with a losing record ever. He was like sixty three and zero before this game. Now he's like sixty three and one or sixty two and one. Ah. Uh. Gosh. There was that game against the Dolphins in 2004 that was kind of similar late in the season. They were terrible that year, and, and they beat us. But that was in Miami, and we didn't have as much on the line. I don't know if that affected the first seed or second seed with the, with the Steelers, but uh, there wasn't a buy on the line, which is even more important. Can I tell you something I really don't like about the Patriots this season? The Yes, is it that they lost to the Dolphins? Because... If so, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. That's 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 definitely on my list. How about before the game, Giardi puts out a little video about the Patriots talking about how Gilmore is the defensive player of the year, and there was interviews from different players, and a whole lot of talking from the Patriots players. Pro Bowl, Gilmore defensive player of the year. Something that I we really haven't seen, and it, may, it reminded me of the time that, you remember Terrence Knighton? Yes. Terrence Knight. I remember your tweets about this, and I remember the story. He, yeah, he once he once talked well about Malcolm Brown, and he didn't say anything too crazy. And Belichick eviscerated him in front of everyone, and everyone was like, "Okay, we don't talk about individuals. You're not a coach." And this year, a lot of talking. I don't like it. That's not the Patriots. What do you think? Well, first of all, he had to cut Knighton because it's like a law, I think, in Massachusetts that. Every offseason, the Patriots have to sign at least one respected aging veteran player and then cut him to, <laughs> to everyone's surprise. Like every single year we've done that for the last, like, I think eight or nine seasons. It's actually crazy. This year it was uh, Demarius Thomas. Um, it was Reggie Wayne a couple of years ago. It's actually wild. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I've never really, you're definitely right that it's a shift. Like there's been a bit of a, a culture shift and, and a bit of a, a shift in 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 sort of the the rules uh, internally with the Patriots. Usually, we don't put up with the level of talking we've seen this year um, between the whole boogeyman thing and Gilmore oh, saying he deserves to be defensive yeah. player of the year. And it's still not nearly as bad as you've seen from other other teams. It's not some like Steelers shit or some Jalen Ramsey level shit. Like it's it's <laughs> it's been pretty mild, all things considered. But by Patriots standards, yeah, there's been way more talking this season, um, mostly from the defense. Uh, I yeah, normally what wouldn't think. Say? What could the offense say? But what could the offense possibly <laughs> say? <laughs> at least, at least they, uh, at least they're modest. The, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Jules is saying shit on the field, but <laughs> publicly they haven't said anything. The, I normally wouldn't put too much weight into that kind of thing, but 
I mean, there's been a change, and you could say, you know, the way the doll the defense has played the last couple of weeks is evidence that actually has mattered. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's 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 really felt like that. They really they the defense has felt like that squad from the year. I remember those Miami Heat basketball teams. If you if you watch any basketball, at the end of their run, they kind of they they played kind of lazy, and they always thought they could flip that switch because they had won before, and like. Lately, they felt the defense has felt like that team—a super, super talented group that just feels like that switch. They just—it hasn't been flipped as of lately. Well, hopefully, this was the kick in the ass they needed finally. Because if it wasn't, there's no more chances after Saturday. Oh my gosh! Can you believe and, the Patriots are playing on wild card, wild card weekend? Yeah, it's been—it's been a decade, and and everyone—it's uh, both McCordy brothers are playing in on Wild Card Weekend for the first time in their careers, actually. Because Jason McCourty had never made the playoffs before coming to the Pats, and Devin McCourty has gotten a bye each year since we drafted him, so that's funny. But everyone's points to that 2009 team as, like, the one example of, of Belichick losing the locker room, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and, like, the, the last time we really didn't field a true Super Bowl contender. You know, like, obviously... We don't win the Super Bowl or even go to the Super Bowl literally every year. But if you look at the teams since then, you know, 2010, that team was, was 14 and 2. 2011, we make the Super Bowl. 2012, one of the highest scoring offenses ever makes the AFC Championship game. It's really like when we would talk to journalists on our old podcast, um, it was always a 2019 that they would point to as the last time that we didn't feel like a, a true contender, a truly elite team. And the last time that Belichick lost the locker room a bit. Maybe he's lost the locker room a little bit with this defense again. Um, I hope not, but maybe it happened. And and this should be a kick in the ass for them because they did drop the ball at the end there. Like they choked. Absolutely. They choked. This, Absolutely. This, this wasn't an elite team. This wasn't. This was. This was. A, this far from an elite offense. Like they they dropped the ball at the end of the game there. Absolutely. I don't. I just, I feel like you're probably right about the kick in the ass. They probably needed this one kick in the ass. Like look. Last year was last year. It, was. it doesn't, year, it doesn't work year. automatically, right? Like they have to respond. They have to choose to respond that way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like you're right about that. I but do you think like... they will? <sighs> you want to talk about the game? Well, I'll say this. In 2009, we didn't have those leaders and those veterans in the locker room from the successful early to mid part of the decade teams. Those guys were gone. Bruce, was gone. 2008 was his last year. Seymour had left a few years before. Um, Ty Law was gone. So that is one distinction where now the guys that had been leaders in the locker room when our defense was, was, well, I mean, obviously the defense was successful for most of the regular season this year, but from those past Super Bowl teams, those leaders, those character guys, Hightower, McCourty, they're still in the locker room. So maybe that is they'll make sure the team responds differently and that guys like Gilmore and, and Van Noy maybe shut their mouths a little bit more because we still have that leadership, whereas in 2009 we didn't. So that could be the reason we respond to the ass kicking differently. Um, I'll say two things about the Dolphins game though, uh, and in terms of the quality of the team. The defense fucking blew, uh, at least relative to their talent level. Mm. But I want to say a couple things. One is that the Dolphins actually got better as the year went on. This wasn't the Dolphins team we played in week two. Um, the Dolphins were terrible 
in the first half of the season, they went 0-8. People thought they were tanking, and I think a lot of Pats fans were expecting that team and were evaluating this game with that team in mind. But that was a team with a new head coach um, that uh, was still working out, still trying to find his identity, that that insisted on, on starting Josh Rosen because they didn't have high expectations for this year, um, and they wanted to see what he could do. And that had all kinds of turnover with their personnel, um, you know, trading their left tackle, trading uh, Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers, you know, making moves like that. So it took time, I think, with all that change and with Flores being a first-year head coach for the Dolphins to sort of get their shit together, realize who their QB should be, realize what they can do with what their roster now is and what the best game plan is with that roster. Um, and they were, you know, they went, what, five and four in the last nine games? So four and four in the last eight coming into this one. So we weren't playing a good team, but we weren't playing you know, the historically bad tanking team from September and October that people were thinking of. So maybe the loss isn't as bad as people think with that in mind. Maybe this is less, you know, the loss to a two-win team that people are imagining and more like a loss to one of those seven and nine Dolphins teams from the past that we dropped games to, which is a little bit more forgivable. And the other thing I'll say is that our offense actually has improved over the last two weeks of the season. Um, Brady's errors per attempt in both of these games was the highest it had been since uh, week six. So, like, he it was it was worse week seven to week 14 than it was against the Dolphins. Um, so this whole, like, sort of mini... I mean, it's still not the elite offense of the past, but this whole mini renaissance of our offense that people were talking about after the Bills game, it actually kind of continued into the Dolphins game. We were moving the ball, we were scoring. Uh, the problem is that bring you through that pick six which was fucking terrible and was and was totally unforgivable. So I'm not putting the whole loss on the defense and saying the offense doesn't get any blame. But the thing is, that isn't the pick six isn't this like systemic problem that 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 is, is going to happen again. Like the the if Brady doesn't do something that's stupid again in the playoffs, I think we have some reason to, to be optimistic about our offense not being elite, but being better than it was for the middle part of the season. Was it stupid or is Brady's elbow just kind of hurt and he fluttered the ball? I don't know. I, I hope it was stupid, actually, so because too. if it was stupid, it probably won't so. happen again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We hope it was. You're definitely right about the Patriots offense. One thing I want to say is Sanu involved early. I would like to see that because he, he really is a good player. He led. He was leading in the league nearly in separation before he got here this year. He, he's always had really, really great hands. And maybe he's just lost some confidence. Maybe they just need to get him involved a little bit. It's a tough system to learn. But he's really struggled, and that was a player that I thought would help them a ton. Obviously, they did, too. They traded a second-round pick for him. But I think I got that feeling in my gut. Mohamed Sanu is going to have a nice playoff run. He got hurt in the Baltimore game. Right. So, And he was lighting up before that. Now, I don't know if that's still been affecting him, but that is what it is. So maybe that's part of the problem maybe you know this will be the week he finally heals and that could also just be his confidence and brady's confidence in him and speaking of the offense and speaking of brady that is something where i think this is brady's fault to an extent where brady can make i don't think he's fallen off a cliff in this like age-related way and his numbers even if you take them at face value have been average this year not 2015 peyton manning level where they're terrible They've been average. Um, I don't think he's just aged out of being a good quarterback, but I do think 
part of the offense has been his fault. And I think it's been that he's pretty impatient with, with, with new players to the team. Like he really wants you to be there where he expects you and, and, and isn't willing to improvise. And, and, and if you fuck up once, he, he's not going to want to go back to you again for three games. And I think that has negatively affected the offense. And you can see it where, where he's thrown the ball to Harry more the last couple of weeks and Harry's been making plays. Um, so, and I'm hoping that maybe in the playoffs where there's no teaching lesson, there's no next game if you lose, that he's going to have to take those risks and, and be willing to force it to guys that maybe he doesn't trust, like Harry and Sanu, because he won't have a choice. So Tom Brady, a la Saints comeback, Austin Colley with brain soup, throwing to literally anyone who gets open. Maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah like I think maybe he'll put that bitterness and that impatience towards uh, players he's not 100% on the same level with aside for the playoffs because he doesn't have a choice. Um, like I think Brady is, is, is excellent at elevating players that aren't extremely physically gifted. Like players like Edelman and Amendola, you know, aren't going to see that level of success on another team in another system um, where they want these big, fast outside guys. So Brady can elevate these, you know, tiny white guys that we can sign for cheap, but he's not good at elevating rookies that don't have the mental skills uh, necessarily and haven't been in our system for very long. Guys like Chad Ochocinco, um, Sanu this year, um, although I thought Sanu had mental skills, but obviously Brady doesn't have, hasn't had great chemistry with him this year. Harry this year until the last couple of weeks, like he, he gets frustrated. Like they were talking on Patriots Unfiltered a week or two ago. It's like, why does James Winston trust Chris Godwin? Like why, why can he make all these plays to Chris Godwin every game? Why, why is it that when another team as, as, as a receiver, you know, they throw to him, you know, why, why is DK Metcalf having success? And Terry McClure and these other rookie receivers. Like, why is it only with Brady um, compared to other good quarterbacks that it's this huge ordeal to, to add new receivers? And I think some of the responsibility for that uh, has to fall on his shoulders and on, and on the shoulders of the Patriots and not just the, the particular players that are bad luck. It's like Brady's obviously the probably one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And he wants you to be in that spot. And remember the remember Dorsett play where he, people were like, oh, Brady just overthrew Dorsett, and Dorsett kind of stops. Do, mm-hmm. do, you, do you really blame? Yep. Can we blame Brady for going, oh, fuck that guy. I'm not throwing to him again. I just I just threw to him. The guy didn't even know where to go. I don't, I don't blame him for cussing him out or being frustrated, but I might blame him for not throwing it to him again because there's no one else to throw it to. And you got to throw it to someone, and you can't just throw it to Julian Edelman. Literally every time, as much as Brady would love to do that. You know, if Brady had his way, our offense would just be like five Edelmans. <laughs> yes. There'd be him, there'd be an offensive line, there'd be three Edelmans to his right, and there'd be two Edelmans to his left. <laughs> yes. And then there'd be like, what of the Edelmans would, would do? The X Edelman, is it the X or the Y? The inside Edelman in the slot would like run a post route. And then like the third outside Edelman would, would, would just run a go. And then the other three are like running slants underneath. Um, and, 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 you know, the, the, his first option would be that a bit on the post. And, and then if, if the, if the deep, if the defensive backs fall back, then he'd pass it to one of the Edelman's on a slant, hopefully being covered by a linebacker. And, and that would just be the offense every play. But unfortunately that's not real life. And Brady needs to accept that his boyfriend, you know, is not the only player on the team and, and, and isn't the only one he can pass to. And you've got to be willing to pass to other players anyway. Like look at all the throwaways he's had this year. Like, it's good that he throws it away as opposed to what Aaron Rodgers would do, which is take a 12-yard sack and get injured. 
Um, but still, like he needs to pass it more. He needs to trust these guys more because he doesn't have a choice. Like you just, you've got to take the risk. So and, Brady, and there's, and he you said he's one of the s- smartest quarterbacks ever, right? Yes, he is. You just said that. Yeah, yes. obviously he is. <laughs> I mean, it's him or Peyton Manning. Um, so if he's not first, he's second. But that can be a bad thing. Yes, like that's what I was at, saying. At great players in the past, they're not always the best coaches, and the best coaches uh, aren't, you know, former superstar players. The if you look at like Wayne Gretzky, to go to another sport was a terrible coach. He goes to Phoenix Coyotes and did a really bad job. And I think sometimes when you're on a certain level mentally, it hinders your ability to work with others and to have good chemistry with others because you have that impatience with them because you you can't communicate with them as well because it's hard to be on their level. Brady probably forgets what it's like to be confused and new and not have the answers to the test, which are his own words. You know, so and and being a quarterback is kind of like being a coach, especially when you're a pocket passer who's 35 or older, like you're the leader of your offense, you're the mind behind your offense and 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 he's just not he hasn't been a very good coach this year at least that's you know as something we need to consider when you can when you look at all the frustration he's had over the years with new receivers that we had so what he should do tonight is brady every night should just think of every receiver as julian edelman they're just every receiver is literally julian edelman no matter who they are just that's julian edelman that's julian edelman that's julian edelman he's also julian edelman i'm gonna hand it off to julian edelman isaiah wins julian edelman just (laughs) just have just have blind faith in all these players and think they're julian edelman maybe that's the way to go just trust everyone maybe that's why amandola did well because he you know he's another short white guy so he kind of looks looks like edelman Edelman. he's like you know what edelman that's edelman hogan uh hogan was too tall Uh, that was a problem that was a yeah. problem last year. And I don't want to sound like I'm shitting all over Brady. Like, oh, you just did. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever played. <laughs> I'm just saying he's not perfect. And and and, and that, that is his fault. That is his weak point. That's his, like, his Achilles heel. Some people say it's his mobility, but it's not because he gets rid of the ball so quickly and reads the field so well. He doesn't need to be mobile. And he actually has good movement in the pocket. He can't run. But within the pocket, he's actually very smooth and, and, and can read the, you know, read where the pass rush is coming from and adjust while reading the field very well. Um, so that's not his weakness. His weakness is his impatience with young receivers and his, his unwillingness to simplify the offense for them and just, and just that whole area. And I think that has affected him this year. Hopefully in the playoffs, uh, <laughs> they'll turn it around and he'll be willing to air it out to them more. Mm. Yes, that's one of the reasons why I don't think Brady is washed and why I think his mobility is actually really great. Despite being one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the entire NFL, he's like top five in sack rate, which is mm-hmm. sacks quarterbacks that really good. He's been moving the pocket really good. The problem is what you just said, trust in receivers. And how about how about I've seen the last of Philip Dorsett? How about just Jacoby Myers instead of Philip Dorsett? Because I'm, I'm like all for this. I need Jacoby Myers over Philip Dorsett. What do you think about that? I want the player that Brady will fucking pass the ball to. Jacoby uh, Myers. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously Edelman's the number one. Right now, Harry is my number two. Um, he's played well the last couple of games. Last, like, three or four games. The number three, like, McDaniels can sit down with Brady and be like, okay, you know, Philip Dorsett, Jacoby Myers, Mohamed Sanu. Which one of these three guys do you hate the least? Pick one. You can pick whichever one you want. 
whichever one it is, he's going to get a lot of snaps, and you're going to fucking pass the ball to him, Tom, okay? And 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 I'm fine with that, because we just can't let teams double Edelman, and then Brady throws the ball away all game anymore. Like, that's just not an option. So... I, I don't really have super strong feelings. It looks like, I mean, Dorsett's been put on the back burner, so it looks like it's going to need to be either Myers or Sanu. Um, but generally, the number three wide receiver gets a lot of snaps, and the number four doesn't get very many. Like, that's where the fall-off is in terms of snap cap, because the 11 personnel is so popular. There's not a lot of two wide receiver sets or four wide receiver sets. So we need three guys that Brady's willing to pass to. Um, and hopefully, he picks one, whether it's Sanu or Myers. If at their peak this season, Edelman, Harry, Sanu, Myers, that's a really good four at their peak. They're all playing to their potential. What we've seen this year, Jacob Myers have had a couple good, really good games. Harry's had some good games. Sanu had that beast game before he got hurt, and I still think Harry's a whole lot been of awesome. Him. He's a really because good. Because the rest of the Dolphins, it's been, it's been, but on, it, it hasn't been getting attention. But Harry's been great the last like three games. It took him a while to get going, but he's made some plays. That touchdown against the Chiefs, that was called back was incredible. And what he can do after the catch, too, which is important when you're throwing a lot of short passes because the offensive line isn't great. He's basically a less fast Josh Jordan. Yeah. I mean, better than that. I mean, he, I think he's been better this year than Josh Gordon was this year. He's like a less fast last year's Josh Gordon. You're probably right. I don't want to slander Josh Gordon too much. I love him. That's my man. Yeah, I mean, as a person, you know, I feel bad for him. I, I, I hate the NFL's drug policy. They need to stop suspending players for non-performance-enhancing drugs. I think he was doing steroids. The uh, I hope not. The like, I get that they can't just make it normalized, but they shouldn't suspend players for it. They should have like a fine if you're caught with, with weed in your system. Like a fine, and you have to go to rehab in the in the summer or something, because you're really just making the problem worse by taking away their job and getting them out of their routine. Yeah, Josh Gordon probably never gets a job ever again. Is he? He probably will never be allowed in the NFL again. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Which probably isn't going to help his drug problem, right? Like in his in his personal life. Uh, just because he's out of the league doesn't mean the problem's gone. Yeah, that's it's really true. They he hasn't made a ton of money in his career. He hasn't he hasn't had a whole lot of success other than one year i mean really that if you're that kind of guy with that little money with that many people around you man his life is tough hopefully he can make some money in commercials in cleveland and new england he he could have done it here he could have I mean, done he still it could. people oh, still like him. Gosh. Uh, i do i'm buying josh gordon whatever if he wants to sell it up here I'll, i'm down for it maybe he can get in the media or podcasting game Hey, he's probably got a lot of stories. Yeah, I played. Uh, let's talk about that one game I had where I had 150 yards and I was crossed. <laughs> so, well, let's let's talk about the Titans game a bit before I have to go. The Titans game. Okay, first of all, fear factor one to ten. You're going to the game. It's going to be raining. The weather's going to suck. We're we are both probably going to be wearing ponchos. How scared are you for this game? Zero. Zero. I don't believe in fear. And me personally, like, if you if you want me to give a percentage chance of the Titans a win, I don't know, somewhere below, somewhere between ten and forty. But fear, no, I don't. I didn't. I, like, I don't feel the emotion of fear 
right now. I'm just fucking stoked. I, I'm stoked. I'm stoked that the tickets are so cheap. Something kind of awesome is actually happening where between the weather and people thinking we're going to lose and people that bought tickets to the first playoff game, assuming it would be in the divisional round, the resale market tickets are way, way, way cheaper than they've been for a playoff game in a long time. Um, so we've got all these fans coming, including myself, who probably wouldn't have gone if the tickets were the price they normally are. Um, and that's actually kind of awesome. And I'm pretty stoked for that. Um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see a classic cold weather game. I'm stoked to see what could potentially be Brady's last uh, home game as a Patriot. Um, so I'm actually fired up for all that. And the fans are going to be loud as fuck because it's not the usual you know, clientele that's going to be there. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, I would not go if this game was just very expensive. I'm actually going up. It's going to be great. I, you know what? The Titans, the last three games, seven yards per play. Their defense is shored up a little bit. Ryan Tannehill's balling. A.J. Brown. They've got a really, really good team. They've had a really good team for a couple years. They've just been hindered by their quarterback. This, this is one of the least favorite teams i'd want the patriots to play and i'm, I'm not going to pick the patriots to lose i think the patriots are going to win especially because i'll be there the patriots always win when i'm there but net yards per play titans not i mean what's what's the line do you know is it patriots like three three and a half uh five and a half five, five, and, and, a five half. and a half oh my gosh i'd take that ah everything you look at says look the Titans are 6.1 yards per play. The Patriots 5-2. Titans defense 5.4. Patriots 4-7. When is this over? The last three, 5.3 for the Patriots. Their defense has been a little bit worse. But the Titans defense is still decent. All the all the numbers would be like, oh, man, you got to bet the Titans. But they are in Gillette Stadium. But I don't know. Are the Patriots Mike Tyson when he got home from prison? They don't the Titans have, that. have have better numbers over the last few weeks, but teams that end the season hot don't always go into the playoffs hot. If December to find how good you're going to be in the playoffs, then we wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year. You know, we we finished the season week last season as well, um, and then we went into the playoffs and we beat the number one, the number two, and the number three most efficient team by Devoa in order. Um, one of those games on the road and one of them on a neutral site in the Super Bowl. So. Hopefully the team from October and September shows up, not the team that we've seen the last few weeks. If we see, if both teams play as well as they've played the last, you know, four to eight weeks, then the Titans should be favored. But I don't think that's going to happen. And history shows us that it often doesn't happen with the Bats. So for this game, Derrick Henry, giant man, giant huge man. What is he, 6'3", 260? Yeah, he's way too big to be running back. It's funny because you know that at some point in his career, someone was like, you should be a quarterback. You should be a left tackle. Because, you should be a defensive of, end. Yeah, you should be, you should be a wide receiver like, because of his, his physical skills. But he was like, nope, I want to be a running back. Um, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is an incredible player. Um, but I think we can beat them. Um, like, I think there's a way. You want to talk about that? Like, you want to talk about what has to happen for the Patriots to win? To counter all this talent? Yes. So I think offensively, the Patriots got a really good chance at the Titans' pass defense. It's kind of a soft yes. pass defense, but the same thing could be said about the Dolphins. 
and the Patriots scored. Well, we but had Brady a good had, game. They had a decent game, but this this is a game Except where the Patriots— Except for that pick six. Right, exactly. He actually did pretty well against the Dolphins. Same, same for the Bills. So I think the Patriots could really attack— And the Bills have a fantastic defense. So yeah, if you yeah. want to look at late in the season, it's not just the yeah. Dolphins game, right? The Bills yeah. have a fantastic defense, and Brady was throwing for over eight yards for, for attempt. You're absolutely right. So they got to attack the Titans' defense— Good friend Logan Ryan, who Tom Brady obviously knows. Logan Ryan knows Tom Brady too as well. But Dory Jackson, Beard, they've got some decent players, but their pass team is not. They're really built to stop the run. Patriots have been running the ball a little bit decently, but I think they'll really just go out there in 11 and run the ball decently because their pass game is, has just been improved over the last couple of weeks, like you just said. And they've had much tougher opponents, Buffalo Bills. But on, on defense, I don't know. Do you go all out to stop Derrick Henry? Do you put lighter players in the box like Chung and Terrence Brooks to try to to try to counter the pass too? Because their pass is really good. They got a, they have an explosive tight end. AJ Brown's really good. Do they just single AJ Brown? They just stick Gilmore on him or they double him? What do they do with Corey Davis, who's also a really good player? Jonu Smith is a really good tight end. Do they just put Chung on him? They've got a really a lot of dangerous matchups. I think what they'll probably do is just single Gil. They'll just single their players, trust their players, and they'll kind of just build a wall on their defensive line. Lawrence Guy, Shelton. They'll put their biggest guys to try to just wall off Derrick Henry and just stop him, especially on first down. That's the money down there. You can't you can't be playing a game with the Titans of second and third, second and three, third and two, because they're just they've been I think they're seventeen yards per attempt and play action or something like that in recent weeks. I think we're gonna be using more zone than we have this year because the man coverage hasn't been working. The zero Hasn't been working it hasn't. because it really has patterning it with these slants and, and short passes. It's it's become too predictable. Um, but I mean, we'll probably put Gilmore on whoever their best big receiver is. I haven't looked at you know our defensive backs and their receivers one by one, but that's certainly what we do. We'll probably put Jonathan Jones on someone really fast and then double that player. Um, looking at the offense, I think like. Logan Ryan is the most average defensive back in the NFL. And I say that with like, without any sarcasm, like he is extremely average. He's, he plays, he's, he's okay. He's not, he's not a a game changer. Um, And he plays very conservatively. Like he's a very good tackler, but he gives up a lot of receptions. At least that's what he did when he was on the Patriots. I haven't watched a ton of Titans film, but on the Patriots, you know, he, he would give up. Like if you needed five yards, um, or eight, if you need like five to eight yards, pass it to the guy. Logan Ryan is covering on a curl or something, and Logan Ryan will tackle him a one yard pass the first down line. So, um, and he's, I think, their best cornerback. I think he's getting more snaps than Butler. So, I think we can, and, and the Titans' past events hasn't been great this year. So, I think considering the way we've been playing and considering who the Titans have in their numbers, I think our past defense is actually going to, our past offense is going to move the ball pretty well against the Titans, especially if Brady's willing to move to spread the ball around more than he has been and not just pass it to Edelman and White, which he has been doing a little bit more of the last couple of weeks. So I'm pretty confident there. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Derek Henry is a fantastic player. Ryan Tannehill is an okay player. He's finally you know, got some weapons in a system that helps him. He's getting a little bit lucky. He's been playing well. But I think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with Tannehill. Um, and he's going to be playing a really, what is still a really good Patriots defense, except for, except for week 17. 
Um, so I think what we need to do to win this game is we need to take the lead early so they can't just keep giving it to Henry. And I think we need to stack the box against Henry um, and, and force Tannehill to pass against our elite secondary. And hopefully if we take the lead early and, and stack the box, that'll kind of take the play action away from them, which is what Tannehill has been relying on. I kind of think so too, but I think what they'll do is they'll put they'll put a couple guys in the box that are kind of faster, like Chung and Brooks, who are still Chung will still take on a guard and is one of the toughest players in the NFL, just like a linebacker. And Brooks is kind of that player in the same mold, not quite as strong, but still he's fast enough to keep up with their explosive tight ends and cover the middle of the field. I think what they'll do they'll do is just wall off Henry and keep your fast players. They'll they'll try to crowd the middle there and force Tanhill to beat him over the top and just trust the secondary because that's their strength of defense, like you just said. We have to. Because there, there's like if Tannehill really is the numbers he's been putting up lately, um, even against this defense, then we're fucked. Because like we know Derrick Henry is a, is, a, is a great player. Tannehill, you know, we're not fully sure how real this is. So we kind of need to bank on Tannehill, on, on forcing him to put the ball in Tannehill's hands um, and forcing him to pass it because that's really our only chance to win and have a good game defensively. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's a really scary thought considering all the things, the scary things we just talked about play action. AJ Brown being an absolute man. Same with Corey Davis, Jonas Smith. They've got some weapons. I think you're right about the, I think you're right about zone though. Might, it might piss some Patriots fans off the little they'll dink and dunk some, but you kind of probably got to force this team to dink and dunk. I mean, they're really an explosive team Just stop the run, force them to dink and dunk. And you know what? The Patriots defense kind of hasn't been doing, didn't do in the Dolphins games, turnovers, getting their hands on the ball. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of randomness when it comes to turnovers. It is. It is. We were getting lucky in the first two months of the season and unlucky the last two. So, you know, there's a good chance the rate at which we get takeaways is probably going to be somewhere in between. So that could come up big for us in the playoffs. You mentioned putting Chung in the box. I will say this. Chung has been pretty awful in coverage lately. So hopefully we don't need him too much in that capacity. See, I think it might be I worth putting Gilmore on the tight end. And right. then, you know, just trusting the depth of our secondary to take care of the receivers. See... I think always think of Chung as a linebacker because he truly does take on guards, tackles, centers like a linebacker. And he, he it seemed to be though a few years ago that we could put him on a good tight end and, and he would right. have a game. That hasn't been the case this season. You're right. And Jim, he's a real pro. I think you're going to have a tough time. Maybe Jim Williams on him, which is something I would probably think about doing. But then you get into kind of a mess of. Jawan Williams in the box a whole lot. That might be a little bit messy, but on, maybe on some third downs, you put Jawan Williams in there, you put Chung in there, and you have Jawan Williams covering Jonas Smith. I think that's a really good idea. And one thing about third down offense is that it's largely based on what happens on first and second down. If you look at the numbers, there aren't really teams that are just great on third down. Really what happens is the teams that are good on first and second down put themselves in a third and short or third and medium. Right. As opposed to third and long situations. So if we can stop Derrick Henry on the first two downs, then I have confidence what we can do on third down. What do you think about the we, Patriots we running back us... situation? Who's the running uh, back for this game? Because right now my my heart is telling me Rex Burkhead needs to be playing be the majority Burkhead, yeah. of the snaps. It's it's gonna be Burkhead. I think we've been limiting his snaps because of his 
is injury proneness, but it's the playoffs now. If you lose, there's no next game. So I think we we take that weapon out again, kind of like we did in last year's playoffs. Like he was great against Kansas City last year. The thing that makes him different from the other running backs is he's he's not as good as runner as Sony, but he's a much better pass catcher. He's not as good as pass catcher as James White, but he's a much better runner. So he just has he just has a, a certain balance about him that you can't just key in on either way, which you kind of can do with James White and Sony Michelle, which in the playoffs is just huge. You, you can't have a run toe, you can't have a pass toe. You got to be balanced, and that's what Rex Burkhead is. Please hold on to the ball, Rex. I'm begging you. <laughs> Don't make me curse at my TV. You know, White had the first uh, fumble of his career. Well, the f- I don't know if it was the first fumble or first fumble lost. Um, but one or the other, it was the first of his career against the Dolphins. And it was What's during sad play. those laterals at the end. Sad play. I, I'd rather them just take a knee on that one than watch that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of entertaining, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't feel the same. Uh, Tom Brady was in the middle of the action. I felt like someone was going to hit him in the ear hole him. I don't know. There's no New England miracle. It's because it's not alliterative. Miami miracle just sounds better. What's your score for the game, buddy? (sighs) It's going to be raining hard, man. That's what it sounds like. It's going to be raining hard. It's going to be kind of cold. Maybe maybe this does help the Patriots Patriots defense a whole lot because it'll be very tough to throw the ball like the Cowboys game. Same thing with that. It's really hard to pass the ball. One more note. Uh... White is going to get a lot of snaps, speaking of running backs, because I think we're going to pass a lot against this team and the suspect mm-hmm. pass defense, and, and that's the receiver that Brady trusts the second most on this team right now. Sure. Um, score, I think people are really underestimating this offense, um, ignoring what how well it's moved the ball the last few weeks and, and kind of ignoring how suspect the Titans' secondary is. Um, I think we're going to score a lot of points. So I'm going to go with a score prediction of 28 to 17. I got 30, 28 bats. Maybe 27, 17. Our our red zone offense is is still a little bit suspect. So let me revise that 27, 17. Still a lot of points though. I've got 30, 28. Patriots offense does enough. They get the stop late that they didn't in my against Miami. Patriots move on to the divisional round and just own KC, which oh my I need that I need that so badly. Like I literally need air. So you don't you really don't have faith in our defense. I do. What do you mean? Didn't you have us winning 30-28? I don't think we're gonna allow twenty eight points to the Titans. The Titans are a really good offense though. It's not about the Patriots defense being bad. It's the Titans are just a super, super good offense right now. Ryan Tannehill's never won in Gillette Stadium. I, th- I think our defense will do better than you think. Don't say that. We'll Saturday. Don't say that. Um, oh, yeah. You, uh, you just, you just right. gave me... T- Tannehill has about. many wins against the Patriots. He's definitely going to win on Saturday. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I like it. Tannehill yeah. always owns the Patriots. Yeah, of course. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right, buddy. Anything else you want to say? Any last words? I'm going to see you at the game. Maybe we can have a nice hug. And yeah, I take a photo together. Take a photo together. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say shout out to Ben, my old co-host. I miss uh, podcasting with you if you're listening to this. I'm also going to say if you follow Jordan Moore on Twitter, please unfollow him. Yes. And then I'll say uh, I hope that the Bills are Texans. 
uh, can can upset uh, the Ravens. So we'll see them in the AFC Championship game, host them in the AFC Championship game, and uh, I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Yes, yes, me too. Be loud, please, if you're there. Everyone there, be loud. You never know when it's going to be the last one. Please don't don't be the Miami Dolphins game. Be very loud. Not when the Patriots are on offense, but when when they're on de- when they're on offense, loud. Please. Yeah, go All watch right. that clip of Brucey. Uh, that you want to change the rules clip, you know? Get yes. hyped up. Yes. Get, watch a hype. New England Drew's got some hype videos. Watch those. Thank you. All right. All right, all buddy. Right. Thanks for coming on the They're going to win it all. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Love to see it. And I, I love all your content and big fan. Thanks. Go, Pats. All right. Go, Pats, buddy. Thank you.